Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Silcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we're all feeling a little bit humpty dumpty. It's not going to be a good summer, but hopefully we'll have a great fall. Yes, in a surprise to no one, the Bureau of Meteorology has finally declared that El Nino is here. With the Indian ice in Dipole also bringing possible high temperatures, our recommendation is listeners start to use two different styles of deodorants. That's just our two cents anyway. The latest Taylor Fine report is out. To be honest, I thought fry was a reference to how we would be able to cook an egg on the pavement soon, but I doubt anyone would notice my mistake. And finally, for accuracy, we investigate the difference between weather and climate. Apparently, you can't weather a tree, but you can climb it. What that has to do with Lloyd's latest Deardo comments is anyone's guess. That is the very definition of an anticlimactic climactic joke. Hello, everyone. This week, I thought I was going to be joined by the whole gamut. Senior journalists Benice Han and Miranda Maxwell, Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks, but Chairman Terry McMullen has let me down. Good morning, Miranda. Good morning, Andrew. You've outdone yourself with that introduction. <laughs> Hello, John. Hi. Is Taylor Fry related to Stephen Fry or QI? No, I don't think so. It's a, a consultancy actuarial firm, I think. <laughs> you never know. And hello, Benice. Hi, Andrew. Is all this weather talk just a front? <laughs> and good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Wendy, I feel like I've run out of questions today and I haven't even started. <laughs> so maybe we'll just move on. Wendy, Taylor Fry's annual radar report is out. What are the main takeaways? Well, you know, the, the industry had a big rebound in profit last financial year, but that was really off the back of investments. And the radar report, you know, highlights the challenges that particularly remain in the, the household class, which again made a loss. And that's despite the premiums rising. I mean, the industry still recorded a combined ratio of 102%. And it points out, you know, that the insurers are pointing to further premium rises uh, being on the cards and which will add to these affordability pressures. And it also points out that this comes as generally the industry is coming in for a lot of scrutiny. I mean, we've seen the uh, the ASIC action on pricing. You know, we've got the parliamentary inquiry into the floods response, and also we have the start of the financial uh, accountability regime. Taylor Fry Principal Winley Toe says, you know, all this is really a time for the industry to, to rise the occasion and show leadership and make the changes it can itself and, you know, lead some of the difficult conversations that are needed in, in looking to the long term. Winley Toe's comments on leadership are interesting, John. Yeah, I think so. And, and let's not forget that this is... Uh... ANZIF's insurance leader of the year. So we should probably listen to what she has to say. Yeah, she's calling for ownership of the issues and leadership vision, saying it's never been more important. And I think this is probably a reference to some of the industry issues we've had, like uh, things like the pricing promises, debacle. But I've also heard this kind of comment before on things like home insurance affordability as well, because it's no good insurance leaders just sitting back and saying, oh, we just price the risk. This this issue is not our fault. It's nothing to do with us. They do need to lead and innovate on this stuff as well, or change may well be forced upon them. I thought it was interesting that that European delegation that we spoke about last week of uh, insurance leaders, one of the groups they're going to meet with is the UK flood reinsurance pool, flood re. How significant that meeting turns out to be, we'll wait and see. Watch the space. Now, it was a call we never thought would come, Bernice. 
but El Nino has been declared. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've been waiting and waiting for the BOM to make the call. I mean, so Australia's been on an El Nino alert since early June. So there's, with an alert, there's always a 70% chance of a climate driver uh, actually developing. And so here we are, the little boy is back. The BOM has been waiting for key thresholds to be met before it can declare El Nino is final. It's actually here. Um, but it's not the only climate event that we have to worry about. I mean, the media headlines have all been about the little boy. We've also got a positive Indian Ocean Dipole or IOD underway. So the IOD originates in the Indian Ocean uh, and its impact on Australia is just as huge. Um, it, it increases the likelihood of uh, heat and drought. So we know what El Nino does. It causes warm, warmer and drier weather. And with a positive IOD also occurring at the same time, you know, it's like a double punch, as one scientist puts it. So um, this, the next coming months and heading into summer is going to be a real scorcher, I think. So, John, we're heading for another black summer? Well, hopefully not. I think, as Bernice says, these two these two weather systems will prime the landscape through through spring for fire but experts from what i've read are saying that conditions aren't quite the same as previous to the black summer where we had some periods of of drought obviously this time we're coming out of three la ninas so yeah we shouldn't hopefully see the the same intensity and scale of fires that we saw in 2019-20 and with that in mind there has been some coverage I've seen that sort of said, well, this reaction to the El Nino is a bit overblown. We've seen live blogs and breaking news and lots of analysis and explainers about what, what could be coming our way. And some media sort of interprets that as a bit of a scare tactic to sort of get action on climate and emissions and so on. But uh, I think it's understandable. I mean, obviously, climate change heightens everything. So when we have an El Nino these days, the effects could be worse than in previous uh, previous times. At the end of the day, and there's nothing wrong with being prepared, is there? I guess the final point is that it is better to have an, an El Nino than a La Nina because fires are less damaging for, for insurers anyway. But this is Australia, so you can't rule anything out. You know, I mean, we may well have floods uh, this summer too. There was a significant cyber attack on a law firm several months ago, Miranda. We still don't know all the details. Yes, well, we know enough to see why the cyber criminals chose this target. It really was quite a windfall for them. So the attack was reported by law firm HWL Ebsworth back in May, and we now know 65 government entities and a large number of private firms were all impacted, and there were hundreds of motor injury insurance claimants in Western Australia affected. And iCare also says around 800 of its customers were impacted. So both the law firm and the insurance council won't say whether private insurers were impacted, but I think it's safe to assume they probably were because this firm is known for, for litigating insurance claims. And a spokesman told me the data set was large and unstructured and included different types of documents and information. Because so many government entities were impacted, the Home Affairs Office actually coordinated the response and it's just closing that after 16 weeks. And now the National Cybersecurity Coordinator is going to undertake a thorough review, which it, he says will influence how future attacks are dealt with. 
16 weeks shows just how complex recovering from one of these events can be, Wendy. It does. And, you know, we've we've seen this um, before with, with other ones. The Radar Report actually talks a bit about that, the cyber risks too. I mean, there's been now been class actions brought by consumers over data breaches in the case of the uh, Medi- Medibank and uh, Optus breaches. And also, I think there are investigations into a class action against uh, Latitude Financial. And cyber attacks are on the rise. And there's regulatory, regulatory changes that are upping the ante for companies around this, such as changes to the Privacy Act. So it's going to be something even more on the top of mind at board level. And, you know, the Taylor Fry report points out that it has implications for professional indemnity and directors and officers cover. Well, we had the New South Wales budget last week, Miranda, as well. Insert loaded question here. Was the industry impressed? Well, after the budget was handed down, the Insurance Council politely applauded a new $150 million flood fund for disaster resilience. But really, most of the response was dedicated to its disappointment. New South Wales has yet again taken no action on insurance taxes. It used the words missed opportunity, so not really a ringing endorsement. And it said the issue must be dealt with in future budgets. So New South Wales and Tasmania are the only states to have an emergency services levy on insurance. And New South Wales expects that alone to raise over $5 billion over four years. And it also thinks it'll receive about $7 million from stamp duty on insurance, which the ICA has calculated at around a dollar in every $15 of all its forecast tax revenue. So the council is saying it's leading to relative underinsurance compared to other states such as Victoria. And, you know, I think you'd have to agree it's hard to reconcile a push for resilience if you're making it harder for people to protect themselves with insurance because of the cost. Well, the ICA is not going to give up on the taxes issue, is it, Bernice? Yeah, I mean, it's always been high up on the ICA's priority list and a slow grind too. I mean, multiple independent reviews at state and federal levels going back more than a decade have also reached similar conclusions, you know, that insurance taxes are bad, are inefficient, a threat on economic growth. And they've all called for insurance taxes to go, but somehow it's, it's still here. And an unlikely ally for the industry on insurance taxes, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission also recommended exiting taxes at, uh, after finishing up its uh, three-year inquiry into insurance affordability in the North. So, I mean, there's actually momentum for the ICA going forward, you know, on this issue. I mean, uh, insurance affordability is becoming more and more of a challenge. It's not just residents in the North that's feeling the heat. I mean, people like me outside of the cat zones are feeling the pinch too. I'm sure many of you, are, our readers out there are feeling it too. So uh, we'll have to see if governments finally get the message that insurance have to go. So um, let's hope they do get the message one day. Well, meanwhile, Lloyds has made some very strong comments on DNO, Wendy. Yes, Lloyd's uh, Chief of Markets, uh, Patrick Tiernan, in a third quarter market message was, you know, particularly blunt about DNO as being a, a problem area. And he actually said, um, and this is, you know, his quote, you know, I, I think we're all running out of adjectives to describe the moronic underwriting approach being adopted by some elements of the market. He says rates have been dropping and widening coverages are being given that increase the frequency and severity of the loss potential and that there's just a litany of um, irrational underwriting behaviours. He says much of the focus with this has been in the US, but the trends are spreading uh, in Australia and Europe as carriers re-enter local markets. Well, why is Lloyd's using this kind of language, John? Well, we have to think back to when current CEO of Lloyd's, John Neal, 
started five years ago and Lloyd's was was in a bit of a state uh, syndicates were writing uh, all sorts of unprofitable business and Lloyd's had to have a real crackdown to sort it out and basically they don't want to have to go through all that that pain again all that hard work so the, the mantra really has become yes we want to grow but we we have to grow sustainably and I think that that is why Lloyd's is so outspoken when it sees this kind of thing it's just very very keen to crack down on any any sign that the market or syndicates are sort of slipping back into those bad habits well that brings us to the end of this week's insight podcast by insurance news thank you once again to our panel wendy Pugh, Benice han veranda maxwell and john deeks enjoy your week and thank you all for listening if you have any questions or comments please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au we value your input You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Hold up. 